It's the 21st of March. How are you keeping, Jamie? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to jump into this after after talking to you for the last 20 minutes. Having a, a good catch up with you because I haven't really spoken to you now in in two weeks properly. We took a week off because um, my my granny passed and I had a funeral to attend mm. um, and just wasn't up for recording a podcast. So we're back. We're back and we're doing waking life. I don't know. How would you even describe this? I'm, I'm not gonna. Even You're not gonna try. <laughs> no, you the went trippiest. From, you went from your granny died to describing like one of the most complicated plots. So I I'm think not, I wanted. I don't. To. Wanna, I'm not gonna input on either of those things. I'm gonna let you mm. climb that rock wall. <laughs> ah yes. No, well, here before we get into the film, mm. how, how are you after after your granny passed away? And obviously we're talking. Obviously, I, I gave you my condolences and everything like that, and I, I've been through something similar. So just just bring me through just in, in as much depth as you want that experience and the funeral experience in lockdown. Yeah, I think I think there's been tougher periods in the past year for people to say goodbye, uh, for people to experience loved ones dying. I think there's been tougher experiences just from what I've heard, you know, from others, because we, we got to have a funeral you know, and, and people did show, like people showed up to our, to the church when my granny passed, people showed up to the graveyard, obviously from a distance, but they showed, like people came out and showed their, their, their respect. I mean, the mass in the end, we're only allowed to have 10 people in the church. M- me and my, my cousin, we got to uh, speak on behalf of our siblings. Obviously my younger sister couldn't make it from across the world. Um, my younger cousin couldn't make it from across the world. And so me and my, my cousin, we, we, we wrote, we read out letters that our younger siblings had wrote. And so that that was a great honour, to be honest, to kind of feel like we, we, we got to give them their closure for not being physically there in person. Mm. And I really helped out kind of just planning the whole mass, which I think I needed now as a adult attending a mass of someone I care about. I think it was really important for me to really kind of take some of that responsibility for my own closure, for my own grieving. I didn't feel like it was a COVID mass. I didn't feel like it was a quarantine mass. I didn't, you know, we, we didn't have a wake officially, but we had her overnight. Not loads, but like only the people that really knew her, that really cared for my family would show and just kind of with the mask and kind of from a distance. I don't know. My 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 belief in humanity was restored. My faith in humanity. <laughs> just just through the amount of support we got and, and the amount of people that like really showed and, and, and cared, you know? Yeah. Um, I think those people are there anyway in normal funerals and wakes, but unfortunately, it just you don't you don't see them as strongly because you're focusing on all the bullshit, you know. And yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't, because those people probably are only the few. Now, tell me about organizing it, because you you really stepped up and you you took a lot of initiative organizing a lot of aspects of the funeral. Just just tell me like what's that like? Like what's the uh, what's the logistics? Like what's the the system you have to go through to actually? All the little bells and whistles you have to. Well, first fire. of all, you have to you have to find out. Um, like I don't know all the official titles for this, so you mm. have to excuse me on on those details. But you have to f- talk to an official from the church. But that person will will talk to the priests and and will you know usually organizes times and figures out where there's a slot that's available. Yeah. You know, and there and then from there you you need kind of like an undertaking service. You know that will yeah. take care of. They will take care of everything and they'll start to like liaison. Is that the word with the church? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you just contact the church and find out about time, and then you have like an undertaking service, and then you just connect the dots, and they do it all for you. So we have a, a strong family bond with an undertaking service in Longford, 
who've done everything for our family. And then for music, I kind of got asked around and I found a harpist. I talked to her about my my granny's age and kind of what she was into. Like, was she very religious or semi-religious? And based off mm. that, she had a chart of kind of songs that I could choose from for different parts. And I was able to make it more personal and we were able to choose like what music. Yeah, and then after that, you, you know, you, there's, there's obviously a, a, there's a system to a funeral. You know, there's like a prayer here. There's a, you can say something here. There's a, you know, yeah, so we yeah, need yeah. People a, a running order. There's a running order, exactly. Actually, it's really nice to have traditions in, in in moments like this. You know, as a teenager, you get so angry with all this shit. You're like, this isn't real. It's not authentic. And then you get older and you're like, there's so much to think about at this moment. It's nice to, to just have like a system to fall into. Yeah. And just be yeah. like, I don't want to have to think too much right now. I just want to kind of follow a tradition and make it my own in little ways, but just follow, you know, like, you know, I'm not a big Christian, but like, I kind of, you need, we do need some form of traditions, you know what I mean? To kind of have that to fall back on. And so, yeah. Mm. And then, so then the next thing was just filling in those gaps, like who's, you know, are the, who's going to speak for this bit and who's going to say what, and are we going to say something personal? Are we going to read from the Bible? What prayers, you can choose what prayers to say, you know, all that kind of stuff when you had gotten in touch with them and the undertakers whatever somebody sends you to run an order and say okay you don't have to start yeah, you picking speeches oh you meet the undertakers themselves is it no you meet with the church and the okay. church the, that manager position and so between her and the priest you kind of just talk you come with like family members whoever and uh, you just talk about the day and who's going to do different bits and then that way they have the names ready and they can say now Ali He's going to yeah. come up on stage. Jamie's going to come up on stage and say, or not on stage, on the altar and say, <laughs> <laughs> on stage. Yeah. Like the smoke um. machine and <laughs> the amps yeah. are ready. Yeah. Uh, Living on a prayer. And what, oh. wait, I, I, this, this is really like pedantic stuff, but I'm just curious because it is kind of just like organizing an it event. Is interesting. So, yeah. so when you get to Harpist and you just found that yourself, and did you have to get them? No, I put didn't find touch? myself. I, okay. I, found, I got advice. I again through that woman who runs the church. Mm. I talked to her. Does she have any good contacts? I told her kind of what I was into, and then she yeah. gave me names, and then I chose <laughs> from those names. See who was available. But yeah, she played beautifully. Like a harp is just such an angelic sound as well. Like um, and and she was able to play a song that was very personal as well to our family. Uh, lovely Leitrim. My granny's originally mm. from Leitrim. My granny and my uh. granddad met in Leitrim before moving to Longford, and so. She was able to play that at the end, and that was just a really nice touch. And so, yeah, it, it was it was a lovely day. Do you know what I mean? It's a hard, hard, weird thing to say, but but it's good that you have that feeling that it went well. I think usually either people feel like it, it went well, like it was good, as strange as it sounds, or like in more tragic circumstances, people just don't don't remember what happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's just the whole thing is a blur. Well, I had your voice in my head because mm. I think going into this, I was quite calm. I was quite meditative. But I just remember you like making it clear to me to be present with it. And I think what you meant by this is just like, I think sometimes people want to shy away from things that are happening in their life. And it's like, you know, it might seem traumatic at the time, but like actually being present is one of the best things you can do ever in your life. Even through things you don't want to experience, you know, yeah. I think there's a, a type of um, surrendering into the mo present moment that can be so worthwhile and then when you're trying to look back on the memory you have it there more vividly as well and so throughout the day i had your guidance graham just like anytime i was kind of carrying the coffin or 
when I was there, like on on the altar, kind of shaking a little bit and just took my time, like reading out my sister's letter. I I just was like, you know, be here, be in the moment, you know. And uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Now that makes that's that's very nice to hear that you had that experience. I did, yeah. It's weird in those situations because usually in life you're always thinking about the past or looking to the future, and then mm. there's occasions like a funeral where it's very much like the things happening right now and it can be very hard to actually like really focus on it because it's so fleeting when Mm -hmm. it does happen but um, I think especially with the whole COVID thing and I think this is kind of one thing I learned from my grandfather's passing and this is at the very beginning of COVID so nobody was quite sure what was going to happen and stuff so we were kind of like oh well maybe in a month we can we can get together but maybe in six months maybe in a year we can you know have a proper funeral but like really it doesn't matter whether restrictions are lifted or not you have to make the most of it mm-hmm. uh, at the time but certainly and it's awful to say this like the novelty wears off of the death of the passing like everybody's shocked when it first happens in mm-hmm. six months you know maybe family members who are really close to the person are still shocked but the friends and and the acquaintances not so much after a year, you know, two years, you know, it's not the same. It does fade. You really have to, I just, I really felt like um, being present in the moment, like right now, don't be thinking of, oh, we'll have a better funeral. You know, we just, mm-hmm. we just have to put up with the restrictions now. You know, I, I think that's, you know what I mean? That's an illusion or something that, that people might, might sell themselves. I think there needs to be this balance of a kind of accepting your present moment and, and surrendering into it and like really being present in in the moment you're in but but also you know hoping for a better future now you can't redo a funeral so maybe it doesn't apply to that situation but like um well i think i think that kind of segues us into the film (laughs) yeah it actually does because because the film is is so surreal and it's so i think obviously the film is about dreaming it's about lucid dreaming but it's really kind of about being present in reality i think by the end of it yes yeah because like anyway how how do we even start how do you even describe this film it's it's by richard linklater who mm-hmm. who's directed many films i mean he the most recent famous one is boyhood he also directed dazed and confused which is like the coming of age high school film he mm-hmm. scanner darkly as well with a Keanu reeves which uses the same animation technique that was highly acclaimed Yes, that one was highly acclaimed. Well, well, one, there, one there's a funny fragment. moment in this film where it gets really meta mm. many times. But there's one point in particular where um, someone's talking about film in this film and talking about like and how yeah. like you know talks about the present moment and talks about how like th- like the realist type of film is is capturing real life as opposed to like film where it's like acted and scripted and that that is really fascinating but another point they're talking about um someone's talking about pitching a film is like oh well it's basically a dream within a dream it's like okay well you just lost five million (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that, that bit was quite good he's slagging himself it's brilliant um this doesn't sell to everyone no I don't no, think this well, is very appealing yeah. to a lot of people. But it is. Well, it, but see, it's it's the director's vision, really, that carries it through. says on IMDb, A man shuffles through a dream, meeting various people and discussing the meanings and purposes of the universe. That's a little bit yes. more. That's it. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a weird cross between... like It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Midnight Gospel, 
in that like it seems yeah. and you just sent before we started this cast you sent me that a, a little clip there that I, I watched a bit of it of the actual footage before they animated over it and mm-hmm. it was just shot with like old Handy videotapes yeah. yeah um so it's very rough around the edges now the finished product looks great but uh it just seemed like some of it is like shot like obviously like a drama and some of it are, is clearly just interviews they just got some mm-hmm. professor, some philosopher, whatever, some expert, um, some hippie, and just put the camera there and had a long conversation and cut it into a segment. So mm-hmm. it is kind of like a podcast in a sense. It has Alex Jones in it as well, where, mm. where he gets his moment to spout off and go a bit crazy. So And then it's all kind of squashed together into this crazy thing, but it kind of works. I think it's very ahead of its time. I think mm. it was made obviously before podcasts forever a thing i don't think it's was trying to predict that style but it seems in my head or certainly when i watched it it seems to slip into that sort of narrative that structure of that kind of loose interview structure segmented it's very entertaining anyway <laughs> you're right it was it was filmed in 2001 so it was completely ahead of the curve in, in, in a lot of these i think there's so many layers to this. Obviously, I think the first layer you crack open into is okay. This person is having a lucid dream. Mm. That that that's that's the film. That's the film about a lucid dream. Then you crack open into a second layer. It's like, oh wait, is this person dead? There's a whole conversation about within a second of 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 real life time. The way we perceive time in a real second, you could have so much of a dream. You close your eyes because you're so sleep deprived and you'll have this whole dream. Then you open your eyes and it was literally just like a second, maybe five. And you had a whole a whole story with emotions yeah, and like yeah. a narrative <laughs> within like a blink of an eye or like five seconds of your eyes blinking. And so uh, there's this whole underlying story in this film about how it takes between six to 12 minutes after you die for your brain to fully shut off. There's still brain mm. power. And mm. there's this question they're bringing up about if you can dream that much in the blink of an eye, is death kind of this just infinity of, of dreams, almost like a waiting room before you pass? I don't know. I don't know if that's a tragic concept or beautiful. Maybe it doesn't need to be one or the other, but it's <laughs> it, it's fascinating. No one knows the answer, obviously. I know a lot of people who've, who've almost... I've, I've known two people in my life, one who now is passed away, but two of these men have had... Um, bypasses you know where their heart stops mm. and both of them have described this feeling of like seeing what looks like the end seeing like this white tunnel talking about that now that could just be fucking oxygen in the brain we don't know yeah. but they, they talk about it as this thing that feels like bliss just this like i saw the white light i saw the other side and it's beautiful and i've heard that from 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 two older men in my life and i think i think that gave them huge hope um, that's, I, that's scary I don't shit <laughs> well is it I mean like we're all gonna go eventually mm. I'd rather know that like someone had a peek onto the other side and said it was bliss rather than I saw people screaming in hell <laughs> like do you know oh, what I mean God. Like, yeah yeah, burning um, in hell and all that sort of stuff yeah. well, I'd be very surprised if that was the afterlife like that's everyone's you know what I mean like that, that, that would be like such a letdown well, I don't. I well, no, I don't. I don't even mean the hell part, but like just that, like you have this whole universe and this whole unknown thing after that. If there is something after that, imagine it was just like a place to torture people. Like it's so uncreative compared yeah. to how big the rest of the universe is, and so 
kind of petty in a sense. Oh, the supernatural God is so petty that he's going to torture people that didn't believe in him or so. You know what I mean? Like it's so short sighted and, and narrow minded. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's, <laughs> that's, we're talking more about religion now. Uh, then well, that then comes the film, into it. Yeah. it does, it does. I, I, yeah, I think like if you watch it without reading a synopsis and just take it as it comes, you know, the first few scenes, you're trying to get your bearings mm. and the protagonist, the boy isn't necessarily in all the scenes. He's kind of, sometimes he's kind of there, but he's not saying anything. Sometimes he's not there at all. You're just mm-hmm. watching. And then there's like a scene kind of halfway through the film where he's talking to the girl and the girl's like oh you can interact with the dream and you can do yes. stuff and and then he starts being more proactive mm-hmm. and he starts getting involved and then he's trying to proactively wake up which he can't do and then at the end he flies away into the sky so it's just kind of like that's the film in a nutshell <laughs> that, that's pretty much it yeah. so there's, there's a bit in it where it kind of feels like if you take it um, if you take it very literally it works within the context of talking about dreams but then you know and i think that very last scene with that the director's in where they're talking at the ping ping pong machine um at the pinball machine not ping pong excuse me uh and he's kind of talking about like what life is and kind of like time and reality is an illusion and it's kind of us negating god kind of rather than being at one with the universe and present we keep avoiding Mm -hmm. that and this creates the illusion of time that really time is all happening all at once <laughs> and that's been uh, that's been on my mind a lot recently like just the question of why do people not want to become present what is it about being a human where it makes us uncomfortable and i'm curious mm. why do most people hate that feeling why are we all afraid of kind of just being self-aware that there were this like thing that we just are so used to which is like a human like what like i don't know maybe like just this film is so existential which can be a bit of like a kind of like a crisis i could see for some people to kind of think that much but this is the kind of shit that used to keep me up at night for years (laughs) as a kid and as a teenager just staring at the ceiling like why do i exist why am i jamie like why am i (laughs) self-aware like what does this mean why am i alive you know that used to drive me crazy you you pointed out the, the the really important scene where he becomes self aware through talking to that girl, the woman with the red hair. She's yeah. talking about this play, and he's like starting to become self aware. He's looking at the watch. He's looking at his hands. He's like looking at her. He's like, that's a great scene. Mm. I think that should have came earlier. If I could criticize this film, there's too much floatiness before you get to a place of stability. There's too much, and I get mm. it. It's meant to be like a dream, and it puts you in that place. But I just think if I if it was my film and if I was trying to sell it to a wider audience, yeah. I would give them something to stand on a little bit earlier. Okay. okay. And then go absurd it's, again. And then come I, back. I get you. I get you. Just, but it's so abstract. It's going to lose people within those first few scenes anyway. That's the problem. And then people might turn it off because they think it's not worth yeah. it. And I just feel like you know what you're making is is artistic, is abstract, is a bit mm. weird. Maybe not for everyone. But just, just give them that bit a little bit earlier. Give them something <laughs> to stand on. Well, um, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I always, watching the film, especially a second time, I always felt like uh, th- th- there's, there's like the dream aspect to it that he's dreaming, but also that like, it's, it's and especially that last scene where it touches on is that maybe he's not dreaming, it's just real life. And like real life is uncanny. It's like a dream. It's a waking mm-hmm. dream, waking life, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that uh, 
maybe it's an analogy for kind of what you go through as a person mm-hmm. kind of realizing so at the beginning he's not engaging he's observing everything he's too shy to step up and then eventually he becomes more proactive when he becomes involved in the world around him and he's questioning things and and actively mm-hmm. trying to find a way out and now mm-hmm. the out doesn't mean like he's trying to get out of life it's just like he has a goal he has an objective and he's fighting to meet that objective which is a good thing you know he wants to wake up because he's getting frustrated i think waking up is kind of like in in reality it's kind of like waking up to something higher you know some Mm -hmm. other meaning some other higher realm of consciousness whatever you want to put on it presence yeah yeah and i think i think it deals with that a lot and i think i think the way the animation really really captures that i think because it does look real because it's animated on real footage you can never get that look mm. if you if you just animate it by yourself because you remember when you used to buy old video cameras and they'd have an effect that was like an animation effect that you that you could put on the camera itself and it gave that sort of polarized sort of look that's what it's mm. like like you can mm-hmm. tell it's real so even when like the camera's moving or it's walking down the street following them it looks so strange the perspective and stuff because they're animating over real perspective so it's 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 a very interesting thing and i think it does kind of help you step back from reality and look at it at a different angle what you touched on there was exactly my third kind of tier let's say so i think originally you watch the film and the first layer is like it's a lucid dream then you kind of break down and it opens up more and you're like oh no maybe it's talking about life and death and then you break open even more and i think it's actually yeah like it's it it is about those things but it's also using the concept of a lucid dream as an analogy for being alive in life and not being actually conscious to life not being present there's something i never noticed in the other times watching the film which is the the first and final scene are the exact same ish the the first scene he's he's talking to it's him as a kid and he's talking to this girl but he goes up to a car and he starts floating away and he holds on to the handle of the car and he's just kind of floating near the end of the movie he 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 finally thinks he woke up mm. but he goes to his home house and he's kind of walking around and then eventually he gets to a car and and he's starting yeah. to float away and he tries to hold on to the handle and he can't grab onto it and he just keeps floating away what does that mean <laughs> it's such an asshole ending isn't it it's but i love that because if you think about it this film is full of so many people's ideas philosophies everyone's thinking everyone has all this kind of pseudoscience concepts some people are experts some people are just like in bed just having conversation of things they read on the blog on on the internet and that's where i think it becomes really relevant to today's world we're so bombarded with information there's so many different opinions what i love about this film it shows different aspects of so many different people just being so passionate and so into what they believe and they're all so different you know you said it gave time to alex jones and you would almost think why would you give him a fucking platform <laughs> but it's like you might yeah. agree with everything he says but i think almost everyone is the same once you scrape away all the shit on the outside <laughs> right well yeah 2001 alex jones is much different than 2021 True. alex jones oh he has said know, some shit yeah yeah he's gotten himself into trouble but back then i mean every like if if you were aware of him he was kind of like a bit still a nut job but kind of like a left-wing conspiracy guy and he was trying to reveal stuff and he was like kind of a against the government i i remember like when i first saw the film like years and years and years ago i think maybe when i was in secondary school or something i became aware of it so a few years after it came out 
And like, yeah, like at that age, you start thinking about stuff like that. You're kind of thinking, well, what is the government? Why is all these institutions and armies? And there's just like control. And it's kind of like there's a system and, you know, people go into the city, you know, so everything he says makes sense. It's just that now he's so off the wall and crazy. I enjoy that scene because one one thing I've always liked about Alex Jones is how entertaining he is. And it comes across yeah. in that, like his face literally goes red on, on the animation because yeah. he's just screaming and shouting and it's so entertaining. I suppose that point, like, is that, like, I, I kind of feel like if you take away the fact that he's shouting and the fact that mm. it's Alex Jones, actually, like, the information he's saying sounds the same as some hippie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't actually yeah. sound that different. Everyone's saying all these massive, big-picture, existential things throughout the film. And then in the end, there is no answer. And I think that's kind of perfect. It's like... That is the answer. There is no answer, or you're not yeah. meant to take it too seriously? Like, like, is it like, he can't be grounded at the end? Like, he can't ground himself? He's floating away? Is he getting mm. the widest picture that we as the audience don't know? Because no one knows what the final answer is. Yeah. And that's what he's doing up in the clouds? Or is he floating up to the clouds because his head's up in the clouds? And it's just like, there's too much fucking information. And mm. He finally lets go, Jamie. He finally lets go. I think He just lets it. go, and he just goes with it, I suppose. That's what I get out of it. That's the positive thing. So. The other thing is he is floating off into the sky and it's like a big abyss. But I suppose maybe you're supposed to take it both ways. I think the I think ex, I think what you said is exactly true. I think there's so much in the film and they talk to so many different points of view. Like if you go with the Alex Jones philosophy, it's all about they're controlling us and we need to get away and you know, they're just trying to use us for money and the rich oligarchy left over from the last 100 years is just you know maintaining the working classes whatever I mean there's so much stuff that the film talks about you know different ways you can view life I mean they can't all be right at the same time you know like which one do you latch onto which one has the truth so you can I thought they were all kind of true weren't they they were all true in their own way (laughs) like well that's it I think I think that's and they're all similar (laughs) I know they Uh, sounded different but I thought they were all similar mm. yeah they're all no, the they same are. thing in a way i can't even remember. i'm trying to think but like some of the conversations are so in-depth they only make sense when you're listening to them like well that's like, it it puts you into a hypnosis for sure it puts you into a hypnosis i think it's the sort of film where after the first few scenes and you realize what it is you either switch off and you don't enjoy it or you just go with it and maybe you're not going to concentrate fully for the two hours just maybe there's going to be a scene where you're going to dip out and you're like, oh, fuck, now I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. Mm. Um, and you just have to go with it. And some, you're not going to catch all of it. Maybe not all of it's going to make sense. But that if you can concentrate for long enough, you're going to start picking up this stuff in each segment. Yeah, it deals with really big ideas. I think that's just life, really, isn't it? Like you're going through life and you're picking up these things along the way that give meaning. And maybe there is no one thing that's going to be like, the key and give you the answer and everything's going to be great it's just like you have to keep going and you have to keep finding meaning or you're going to despair <laughs> that's that's the only thing i can get out of it mm-hmm. there's a few people that are kind of a little bit more enlightened you could say in this mm. most of the people don't really seem that happy they seem kind of bombarded in the information and kind of like They've all these questions and, and like, you know, I'm I'm one of these people too. Do you know what I mean? I think I'm part to blame of kind of the conversation that's in this. I'm not alone, yeah. but like just people that are so in their head, people that have become so 
fascinated with questions and philosophy and science and and existentialism and and, and all these things about like all these big topics and there's so much noise online about people questioning things that maybe not that they don't have the right to i think every human should educate themselves and be questioning everything you know and i think that's your right as a human but at what point are you just adding more noise to something and 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 there's a bit of that in this where i feel like it's just people kind of having loads of questions and thinking things over and getting really philosophical but then not really giving an answer not having something solid like like the philosophers of the past like not actually like really maybe contributing anything but just kind of adding a lot of noise maybe we need that to get to a final answer or maybe we're all just fucking adding noise and and that was one thing that I felt watching this. It was just like, whoa, everyone's got all these opinions. And it's just like, blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know? And he's just kind of floating around like, all right, like, I just want to wake up. I don't know. <laughs> like, I... Yeah, yeah. But but that is interesting. Yeah, you're saying that, like, he wasn't really present through it all. He was kind of passively floating. And then he and then he, he, he learned how to kind of, like, become self-aware. And, and at that moment when he meets the redhead girl, she kind of stops him and is like, no, let's have a real moment. I really felt that. I thought that was so beautiful. She was like, let's talk. Yeah. And then they went off and they chatted about the play, you know. And <laughs> and it is crossing parallels between like an actual lucid dream and the rules of lucid dream. You know, like the people in mm. the lucid dream won't tell you you're in a dream. That's what I've heard from people who have had lucid dreams. Just yeah. rules, you know. Your clock never works. Watches, time just doesn't work like normal it always looks like alien language the yeah. light switches never work a lot of times if you look at your fingers you won't have just the normal five digits for some <laughs> reason but you won't notice that until you really like take it into account it's like oh yeah yeah my finger's like blocky you know why is that happening? yeah yeah that's so funny after after uh, me and anna watched this film the, the bulb in the bedroom went like it broke so like oh. it was, like it was just off so yeah <laughs> like straight after it so I was like, oh, come on. Like, it was just... so what I, did Anna I think? To... Anna thought it was great. Yeah, she enjoyed it. She had seen it before, I think, years right. ago as well. I think she, she does like Richard Linklater. She's a, fa- she's a fan of his work. Has she ever lucid dreamed or did you not discuss that? I don't think... No, we didn't actually discuss that. We didn't actually... Have you? We should. I have done years ago. I used to have a lot of lucid dreams. It sounds very Inception, but you know, like when, when you realize you're dreaming, the dream becomes unstable. Sometimes you'd realize you're in it, and if you're in a location, if you're in a bar, you can kind of stand and look around the bar and walk around and and kind of look at things. But then very soon it kind of just fades away, and you wake up. That's kind of yeah. what my experience was. But apparently, for most people, the second you find out you're lucid dreaming, you just your cortisol level, you know, your stress levels go up. It's just, it's a lot for your brain to compute. It's like yeah. this thing that is reality is not real. My senses are false, you know, and, yeah, and then yeah. usually it, it falls apart in front of your eyes and you wake up um, or you, you fall back into the dream and you're not loose anymore. So so staying calm seems to be the answer and being self-aware. So how do you how would you do that? Let's just dive into this for a minute or mm. two. Like how yeah. would anyone like lucid dream if they wanted to meditate, meditating, because meditating makes you more calm and more present. And so you're able to kind of observe reality without being as reactive and you get to kind of observe it from a third party view you get to observe your being from a higher place and so if you imagine doing that in just waking life then you can apply that to dreams where you're observing things you're self-aware of what's happening in the dream and then you can have that thought of oh wait this is a dream um i've also heard spinning the second you become self-aware if you like 
just start spinning in circles. That's that's bizarre. I remember flying in dreams Whoa. before. Did you you uh, decided to like? Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. Start I'm flying. pretty sure. I, wow. Yeah, I decided to. But no, I, I I remember one in particular. It was like because I went to Florida in like around two thousand and three, and at some point when I came back, I had a dream where I was in a place like a a restaurant that we used to go to all the time while we were there, and I had a dream about it. And then like in the dream, I realized like no, we came back. Like I'm not here, and it was like a big tease. You know what I mean? And I almost like stopped in my tracks and was like, no, this is a dream. I don't want to be like dreaming of this thing. And then I wake up and like, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big tease to me that I'm not there anymore. You know that feeling? So I kind of stopped and the dream faded away and then I woke up because I realized like I can't be here. I so want to be back in Florida. The fact that I'm here, I know it's a dream. That's how I realized, which was kind of bizarre. But I haven't had them in a very long time. I don't know why. I don't know if it's something because I was younger and I was actively thinking about having lucid dreams and then I started having them. I think that's one thing. I think obviously actively thinking towards it and maybe being younger as well. Like, is your brain more creative? Is it more like excited and energetic towards that idea? I just don't seem like as energetic towards, oh, I'm going to go to sleep and wake up in my dream. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't have that feeling behind it. I mean, I definitely think you go through different things in life and maybe you're at a point where that doesn't really excite you. I mean, this time last mm. year, I got back into it again. You know, I started journaling every morning. I woke up and I wrote down what I dreamt. And I think just by doing that, it like you're going to up your percentage of lucid dreaming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely started to get more vivid dreams. I started to remember my dreams more. But did I break through into lucid dream? No. Um, have you ever? I don't know. I feel like I have, but I can't remember anything in particular. I, I definitely wrote down dreams where I became semi-present. Or it felt yeah. like it was about to become lucid, or it was somewhat lucid, but never. I've never controlled the dream. I've never had it so real that it feels like this. I've never had anything that I would concretely say was a lucid dream. I do remember my dream from last night after watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I I was on some street and two cops came up to me, and they were asking me about ID, like what are you doing here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gave them my wallet, and they started looking through my wallet, and they found like a little baggie. With like a little bit of grinded up weed in it and they were like and what's this and i was like oh fuck i was like what's that doing there like it's like that's not mine they're like it was in your wallet and i was like shit okay it is mine i was like but the rules changed in ireland like if you find a little bit i'm okay and they're like oh, i don't know you know like it depends <laughs> on the cop like who catches you you know it's yeah. up to the guards and i was like oh this is terrible and some women that i was like chatting to they came over and they were talking to the guards and the guards were like they look very mischievous. They look like they were up to something and I was just kind of standing around and there was something in my head that was like thinking this was a dream mm. but not becoming lucid, being like, oh, this is like not real but I'm like playing a part. There's like a tear yeah. and I'm acting and I'm just acting in this thing that's like not real. I had a bit of that but not enough to be like, control my dream. It was just like, watch the theatre somehow or something. Yeah. Yeah, then they took me around the corner and they were like, they pulled skin out of their pocket and they're like, do you know what to do with this? And I was like, what? And they're like, we're going to have to confiscate this if you know what I mean. Do you know what to do with this skin? And I was like, you want me to roll, you want me to roll a joint for us? Is that what's going on? Like, <laughs> you know, they, they were like my age all of a sudden. Yeah. And the cops were looking to have like a J with me and 
they were talking about like what they do at lunch, like where they go. Oh yeah, I smoke under that bridge, and I was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, the guys. They, they and then I woke up, and I was like, oh fuck, I woke up just before I like had a J with like the guards. Like that would have been a cool. You dream, always wake up before you get stoned, don't you? Is that a thing? Can you not get? I, f- I feel like I've had high. dreams where like I'm about to smoke or something, but then I wake up before it happens. Or I or I, or I just smoke it, and then I wake up before I can feel the effects. It's never like I'm stoned in the dream. Like I never feel like or or drinking. I never feel drunk. Like actually drunk mm, in a dream. Yeah, yeah. You know your what I mean? It's like my, your your brain can't recreate it. Like why? That's so confusing. Because like there's a there's a character in this when he goes into like a type of a chapel or a church and he's talking mm. to a few characters in there. And there's there's one in particular that talks him about lucid dreaming and, and how the light switches don't work. Um that like, you know, if the light's off, it's off. If the light's on, it's on. The switches are just kinda like just just aesthetic in the room. They don't seem yeah. to work. And the same with your watch, and it's like, why can you think of all these incredible, complicated, intricate things and have all these feelings and emotions and have such a realistic experience in your dream, but you can't like flick a light on and off? You can't recreate the number five on a watch on a clock and have a arrow going around why is it because the rules of time don't exist to the point that your practical brain will not recreate it but like it's just numbers on a watch like why can't it do that why maybe maybe it has too much built into it for it to actually work conceptually yeah i mean just for like your brain to be like it's this time and time's moving continuously and it's going to move to this time it's going to move from this place to this place if you stand there and you watch it so it just ceases to exist at all like i just i find that i I find that fascinating that conjures up some ideas of like god or a designer or a creator and i know that's you know you'd be like oh come on jamie but like Mm. you can recreate so many amazing hugely life-changing things in your dream that are so lifelike and you just can't create a watch face a clock even the concept of time, like it won't show digits. That's that's absurd. It is absurd. It's I like it's it trying to avoid time altogether. I don't know what to say to that man. It's crazy <laughs> shit. It's crazy. It's too much. But that character, yeah, he talks about the light switches, and he talks at one point about like yeah, some of the best sex about is in dreams, you know, mm. which is interesting because I've read before that you can't, you can't really like in a lucid dream, you can't just like make someone up to have sex with it just won't mm. work it won't it won't get to that place which is kind of kind of cool in a way that you can't uh, betray someone in your dream without consent you know what i mean i can't just recreate like <laughs> some some girl i might fancy some celebrity to just like have sex with you know what i mean it just won't work and i've heard <laughs> other people say they've definitely had sex in their dreams and i've definitely had sex dreams i think or at least i think everybody has i think i've had sex dreams but i've, I've I, also I heard you cannot sex dreams you cannot create unconsensual lucid dream sex. I've also heard that. So I'm wondering why oh, sex... Unconsensual, like it's your own brain. I don't know <laughs> to what extent you could judge it un- unconsensual. Sex, um, drugs and time. Can't do it. Well, no, can't people, do I don't know. Can you lucid sex? I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a different question. That's a different question. Um, I've had dreams where I'm like f- fighting fighting people 
I don't know if I'm in a situation like the one that you described with the guards. See, it's a very long time ago, and then dreams get foggy anyway. But I've definitely, I think I've had ones where like I'm in, I'm in a situation where like I feel threatened, and then I realized I was dreaming, and then the fear goes away. So I'm just kind of like I'm just gonna fight this person, even though I don't know how to fight because I don't have a fear of like what's gonna happen. So then I start, for, but it's like, I remember it was, you know, when you try and run in a dream and it feels like you're not moving, you know, that feeling, that's what the fighting was like. I was swinging and, and trying to punch the person, but it was like my punches weren't hitting anything, even though I was making contact or within this distance. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a weightless sort of feeling. Like I couldn't feel my weight behind the punches or anything like that. And did you feel lucid at that moment? Yeah, I definitely, like, when I realized, it, was, it yeah, it was a weird thing where, like, I'd realize something would happen, something dramatic would happen in the dream, and then I would realize I was dreaming. So, like, somebody pulls a knife from me and he's trying to rob me, and then, like, the drama at the moment, I'd be kind of like, hang on, this is strange. Oh, no way, I'm dreaming. And then I'm just like, well, fuck this guy. He can't rob <laughs> yeah. me of my dream, so I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to fight him. And then, like, yeah, it just wouldn't feel real. Like you'd be struggling. It was just strange. It's hard to remember because like, so you you must have a really good like rational brain <laughs> to be able to be in a dream like not just like follow the flow. Just be like no, that's absurd. He's not even holding a knife. It's a banana. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people just kind of like in their dreams just kind of follow it. And I think that's what he talks about in this about kind of walking around life as a zombie. And I think if you do that in life, you're going to do that in a dream. You're kind of just going to mm. walk around, interact with people, just be like, huh, yeah. But to really become present with it, you'll be like, that's not a knife, that's a banana. And then you'll be like, it's a dream. Or you'll be like, maybe this is real life and that guy's crazy. I think, it, I feel like it has something to do with having a, I feel bad saying it, but like a younger brain. Like, a, like my brain is, my brain was more... Maybe younger is the wrong word, but just more curious in 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 a certain direction to to pick up on that stuff. Where I think I'm still curious, but like in a different way. I think answering your question from earlier about like why you lucid dreamed more when you were younger. I think for a lot of people, it's because it's new. I think as you get older, you do less new stuff. You you could argue that the brain just kind of cements at a certain age that you just kind of become solid in who you are. And I know they talk about that a lot in science, but I think nurture the nature mm. i think that's a cultural thing i don't think you have to i think i think some of that is true that like at a certain age you just solidify and your body kind of stops trying to experience things but i, I also think for people that never stop to try to do new things to try to challenge their personality and I, I feel like their brain will continue to grow and 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 have that new stimulus and so to apply that to what you were saying earlier you were going to college for the first time you're trying to figure out yeah. who you are. That's what college is all about. You're meeting all these new people. There's all these new experiences. You know what I mean? It's a whole new chapter in your life. And so I would say maybe that was part of the reason why you were lucid dreaming then more than now. But people have been talking about having a lot of weird dreams over the past year. As you can imagine, there's a fucking yeah. global pandemic. People's brains are questioning everything. And <laughs> Well, funny enough, when I was younger, I used to always have dreams. I used to have two kind of reoccurring dreams which would be like one i would be like i'd be like lying on the road and there'd be like a car coming in the distance and i wouldn't be able to move like like Jeez. i'd be my legs could move and i was like trying to drag myself oh god and yeah yeah would you wake like, up when it hits you i don't i don't think the car ever got close enough but it was just sure, that sure. that feeling of panic you're mm. trying to grab drag yourself out of the gutter 
up over the curb so you wouldn't get hit. And then another one was like the one I just mentioned, you'd be running, but you wouldn't be moving. And there'd probably mm-hmm. be some danger element. Um, I haven't had either of those in a long time. And I'm only really thinking now through this discussion that like starting to run is definitely must be significant in some way because to have this feeling constantly of running and not moving and then to start <laughs> to run in real life and mm. um, that must be given it must have some sort of unconscious benefits to yeah. my psyche somewhere because I, I had that one a lot well a lot of people would say oh your dreams are bullshit or it's just your brain processing the day and i think it's probably true a lot of time it's just kind of bullshit other time it's really symbolic unconscious messaging that's really yeah. important for you to to kind of be in tune with i almost think we should have from a young age some type of an education or or just a practice of trying to capture our dreams you know waking up the next day and just writing them down because you become more present with your dreams and you have a better communication with your subconscious i don't think we have good communication with our subconscious brain and i think it knows more than our conscious because our conscious is trying to filter everything and, and protect us from being over bombarded by life but yeah. but your subconscious has all the all the real shit and I, I think dreams are very symbolic and um i think it's really important to kind of un- try and understand and unpack those symbols even if it was never necessarily about running running was used as a symbol and the lack of being able to and i think yeah, yeah it was never about you know it was probably never about fitness or you running it was probably about more internal stuff but by you physically running i think you are almost sending a message to that concept in your subconscious that probably helps you with all the other stuff you know yeah. but i don't know yeah. i'm not a therapist i don't have a pipe you're not lying on a couch but I had some really weird imagery in the past, Graham, where I was, you know, not dreaming, just like stressed in life. And I keep seeing these images that th- didn't make sense, but just kind of threatened me. Do I yeah. want to go into detail right now? No. Yeah, yeah. My, my counsellor well, heard about it. <laughs> okay. No, well, I, 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 I would like to hear if you, as much as you want to tell, definitely. Damn it, why did I open up this can of worms? Uh, but just, you can keep it on a very basic level of, of symbols. Basically, I would just keep seeing this image of my head. Like one, one. I, there was a few, but one was this constant image of my. <laughs> did you ever see that movie? Um, or Michael Fassbender, where he's wearing the big paper mache head. Yeah, Frank. Frank. I kept seeing. <laughs> I kept seeing. This is one of the lighter ones. Just darker, but I kept seeing. That's mm. pretty dark. I kept seeing my head as this big paper mache object mm. that I wanted to crush. Or not, I didn't even want to crush. I just kept seeing it be crushed. I kept seeing mm. my... Like, like yeah, abstractly from the, in the third person. Yeah, I would just be editing. I would just be sitting in my room and all of a sudden I would I would feel this need to like crush my paper mache head. I'd feel like a fist. Wow. I'd feel like a foot. There'd be scissors like stabbing it. I would like wow. feel the impact on the crush. And it would send me into a panic attack sometimes. It would be really nerve-wracking. And it sounds absurd. There was more weird ones to do with scissors and to do with just, like, aggression and mm. a lot of just um, kind of self-destruction. But always in a very cartoonish way. Paper being ripped, but I'm the paper. It's abstract enough that, like, it's not, mm-hmm. like, super horrifying, like your head, your actual head's getting crushed or something. True, but it's symbolic. It's symbolic. Very symbolic, yeah. If that makes sense. And by using the kind of cartoon imagery, like, 
I'm not saying I did this to myself, but you could see how you could easily get that into someone's psyche. Violence can be easily masked under cartoons and be seen as not threatening when it's actually, well, the concept you're looking at is really terrifying. It's just, but I would feel the impact. That's only one. I won't get into the darker stuff, but but that was one thing that I had to okay. unpack and, and it, it was um, intrusive thoughts, let's say. Well, I definitely believe in symbolism. I don't think every dream, some dreams are just silly, but I definitely had dreams that I've written down and woke up and thought about, and it's been very clear. I can see the symbolism in them. Like, it, like obviously, it speaks to me because I know my own life, so I'm like, the symbolism made sense, and I was like, it has to mean this thing. Like, And it's just mm-hmm. strange that your brain, your, your unconscious brain would create these symbols like that. Like, it's kind of easy to dismiss because it's easier to say, like, oh, I'm writing a book, so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to invent a symbol and put a lot of conscious effort into producing a metaphor where like what your brain just does it by itself it just kind of it does kind of sound absurd you would just dream like a snake or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like embodies evil it embodies mm. but it could mean anything yeah, it, 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 it's all about context what it means to you in your life you know and I think actually there's a scene in Waking Life where, you know, the couple are in bed eating hawk and, and I, sh- I need to look up her name now. I feel bad. Julie Leppy? Dep- Depley? <laughs> Why couldn't she have an easy name? I went to the effort to looking it up. Yeah, on yeah. IMDb, all the characters are like violin player, philosophy professor, <laughs> shape-shifting man, burning man, angry man in jail. She was in the Three Colors trilogy. Or oh, you found one. her? Yeah, I found her here. Julie... Ah. Delpli. She's, She's French. Delpli. Oh, Delpli. Are we? Anyway, so 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 Ethan Hawke and and uh, Julie Delpli are sitting in the bed talking. They there was a bit where they were talking about kind of collective unconscious. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, and they were talking about a bit with like mm. crossword puzzles, and they gave people in a group. Uh, crossword puzzles um, from yesterday's newspaper that people obviously in the world had solved and more people in the study because and so the idea is that once the ideas are out there that we can tap into them into the mm. in the ether in the unconscious and I think when it comes to dream symbolism there has to be something in our brains that's like pre-programmed you know like you inherit physical genetic things through your dna from your parents that's passed down i think there's something mental as well that you have dreams which you're not consciously in control of like young kids can have dreams with symbolism in them they haven't learned Mm -hmm. about metaphors or how to construct these things consciously but but they have them unconsciously so there's archetypes that permeate true from from history i think to some level i think that's probably why religion is so powerful as well um and all these other things and stories and fairy tales and folk stories yeah they just call true like you know good versus evil like very simple ones but then there's more subtle ones Mm -hmm. to do yeah with with imagery with certain animals as well can, can come up in situations and that sort of stuff of like running and not being able to move and uh, not being able to scream. People have that a lot in dreams. There's things, there's very common things that everybody has in their dreams. Like, well, well why would everyone have them? Because there's a common symbolic language that's beyond speaking, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it has to be this. I mean, basically, we're all the same people. We're just different versions of the same thing, right? We're all humans. We're just like different copies of the same thing. 
That's true, yeah. Apparently we're all <laughs> Alexander the Great's kids. <laughs> and, uh, he Genghis just got around. And, and Genghis Khan, yeah. Uh, fuck. Oh boy, um, we should end it there, man. I, fucking, I think so, we're coming to the I was talking about what end. I was talking about, and then I forgot what I was talking about, and then I remembered what I was talking about. It's not no, I've had I've had those running dreams before. I've had, I've had dreams where I was running away from a bullet. Mm. But, th- like, I was able to run faster than the bullet. Look at you, Superman. Huh? Yeah. Superman, yeah, I was, like, running around corners. It was following me around the corner. Mm. It was, like, you know, that that sounds like it probably has some type of meaning. And then I got to, like, a dead end. I was nowhere to go. I would turn around and the bullet's coming for me and wake up. <laughs> wow. You know? Or, like, um, I love those dreams where you're literally just chatting to someone and you're just walking and then you take a step off the smallest curb like off the footpath to the road yeah. and you go to find the road and then the whole dream falls apart underneath you and you wake up in your bed like ah you know you're like what the yeah, fuck because yeah. your your physical foot went to make a move because you haven't fully fallen asleep you're still a bit awake and it's like yeah. that's so pointless come on like that, I feel so stupid <laughs> I feel like a little dog on the ground going <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> just like chasing the rabbit or whatever they dream about I, I do like that one as well that one's funny you like chasing the rabbit no, just the stepping off the curb one. Oh it's, yes, it's like your yeah, it's like the cartoon where he steps off the cliff. Like suddenly, like you fall into an abyss. Like you're just mm. in your own mind. You're just talking to someone walking down the street, and then you just fall off the edge of the universe. And you're like, yeah. whoa, yes. Yeah, so it's like taking one small step, one small step for like reality, one giant leap for the fucking <laughs> quantum space I yeah. don't know it's it's too much but uh, you know then there's other dreams that don't make any sense man I remember I remember once like years ago I don't know how young I was mid-teens I remember like I was walking up this hill I just remember it being like a mm. mad sunny day and it took me ages to get to the top of the hill and then eventually I got up and there was just loads of floating bananas just <laughs> as far as the eye could see I was just on top of this green green grass hill blue blue sky and just bananas everywhere just floating in the air yeah. just floating that's brilliant Jamie well you should make this into a film or something no that was it that was the whole dream <laughs> like, well just make that a scene in the film a dream scene I don't know if there's anything to unpack in that I think that's just like that's Maybe just sometimes the brain farting it's just a brain fart like, the pfft. imagery is nice though you got blue sky green grass and yellow bananas like that's just works as far as you could see just all the potassium grain it's great. Well, you've yeah. always had an affinity with bananas, right? I have. I have. Yeah, got a tattoo yeah. right here. That got that at the start of quarantine. <laughs> but no, you've always, like, in, in college and stuff, you always had, had banana. bananas. No, but you always kind of had a banana, like, for lunch purposes. Yeah. But you just always, like, what enjoyed the, the, the natural convenience of a banana as, like, piece of food that's in the skin it's completely natural you take the skin it's off perfect. Eat it. you can yeah, it's, it's self-contained it's, transportable it's, i love fruit. an apple i love mm. grapes but you can't just have them in your bag you have to like wash them you have to be convenient you know what i mean the yeah. outside is the inside you're going to be eating it banana yeah. it's like it comes with its own packaging yeah you know what i mean you can have it in your pocket you can have it in your bag it comes with a handle ready to pop it open <laughs> You eat it, it gives you potassium, helps helps you sleep better, helps yeah. blood flow, helps the muscles relax. It's perfect. You just think of us, man, when we were like hanging off trees as monkeys. We loved these things. I mean, do you know how much time yeah. we've spent in history with bananas? A lot, apparently. 
I don't think it should stop here. I think we should continue on <laughs> as far <laughs> as the fields can go. Just we'll be on honest. Mars eating bananas. No, I'll tell you what. The trees I... on Mars. Maybe that was an image from Mars you saw when it's terraformed and it has green grass, and we've introduced bananas to the Martian environment. And it's floating because what the the gravity's like a little bit less. It, I guess it is a little bit less. Planets, I don't know if it will so float, bananas floating bananas. Maybe on the moon. Bouncing around. No, I was struggling to get up that hill, Graham. I was like sweating. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Um. Anyway, we've so we've gone from life. we've gone from talking about like a very interesting philosophical film into basically just doing what everyone hates, which is dissecting our dreams. <laughs> dissecting bananas. Bananas. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, listen. That's what the, that's what the film's about. The film's about dreams. That's yeah. it. I I think you figured it out though. I think the the biggest meaning of this of this dream, this film, is 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 is, is that life. life itself can be a bit of a dream, and it can be just kind of mm. this monotonous dream where you wake up every day and you're just kind of observing just this like simple things, but also absurd things, and you're just not really interacting. And so yeah. th- th- there's an aspect of of letting go and surrendering, but also being present and participating with your own life. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, meditation and and drugs to a certain extent can can help. Oops. Certainly, as you get older, and I even mean like alcohol. I'm not talking about you know drinking fucking ayahuasca or something. Like even if you don't drink a lot and you have some drinks, you know what I mean. Like your reality, your perception of your reality, your consciousness changes slightly. Um. That can be good, I think, especially as you get older, because it brings you back to that place where you know, you become so structured in reality, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then to whatever it is, whether it's meditation or whatever, to allows you to step back and be like, "Hang on a minute, like this is a waking dream. This is like we're just like mm. on a ball in space." Well, you know, you need to something to ground you back to the absurdity of it. Mm. A film like this definitely does it. It kind of brings you back to kind of say. No, waking life is just as strange as a dream. How many thumbs up the butt would you give this film? One or two thumbs up the butt and no, no thumbs Well, thumbs up the butt. may not exist in the dream world, Graham. So I give it... You know what I mean? Like, you look at your hands and they're kind of like wobbling. They kind of don't exist. You have no fingers all of a sudden. Yeah. Your fingers are bananas. I give it... Um, I give it two bananas up the butt. Two bananas. That's good. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll follow that as well. For being different, it gets two bananas. Yeah, my my only criticism is what I said earlier. I feel like some of the realism that comes halfway through the film to like near the mm. end, I think some of those points could have came in a bit earlier. Um, just to kind of give people a bit more of like a hope or something to latch onto a bit earlier. That's I, th- fair. I think I think that would have worked better because it's usually it's it's the first half is just people talking at you and it's a bit exhausting. Yeah, uh, and it puts you into a cool trippy place and I like it but I just think for the grander audience I would have brought that in a bit earlier but that's just me being uh, s- snobby about it overall I just think it's a it's a very unique experience I, I agree it's the sort of film on paper that you could be like let's, uh, let's all smoke bong rips and watch this film but it would be awful to watch this film with a group if you were mm. drinking or anything it just would be awful it's the sort of film you do that by yourself and you watch it and you'll, you'll get something from it but it certainly accomplishes what it wants to accomplish, <laughs> whether you yeah. like it or not. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to check out his other stuff now because of this. Scanner Darkly. 
That's the it's next one. The next yeah, rotoscope. Yeah. Let's wait a while, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for like a really absurd animation, mm. real-life thing yet. I need a bit of time after that. Look at his boat clean shaven. What's going on? I know. Are you just keeping the clean thing going? No, no, I want the moustache back, man. I like a moustache. Oh, you're growing it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Somewhat. I feel bad. This now. is this is one week. That's you can good. see a little bit of moustache coming in. But uh, this nah. is see that little shadow there. Mm. That's a few hours. Jesus. <laughs> Fuck. See the little. I shaved this morning, but I'm. It's see. It's it's one of those things. I've gotten into the habit of shaving, and it's easier to shave every day then to like shave every few days because then if it grows out a bit then it's like you're scraping the fucking hair off your face where mm-hmm. every day you're just kind of going over and it it's not so, it's not so bad yeah you see i've only shaved twice in the past year both <laughs> cases have been because someone passed oh <laughs> man know? yeah um, yeah so i'm not shaving much and so i think my hair is like it's why do we the... shave when people die <laughs> Because I did, did the it, same with my granddad, did didn't I? Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I've shaved, yeah. I think for me, it was like some type of feeling like I wanted to feel like formal. I wanted to feel like I'm doing something out of respect. Like, you know, you kind of shave your head in, in the military, you know. It was, so, it was something like that. It's like, I'm not going to get a haircut. Thing. Yeah. yeah, but I just don't want to look like curly moustache and big afro, you know. Hey, you know, I don't know. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, but I kind of feel like I, I don't want to bring any kind of fun or silliness yeah, to this occasion. I want to look... disrespecting the dead by being yourself. <laughs> well, I can be myself, but maybe just a bit more a conserved version. Conserved. Do you know what I mean? I guess so. Like, I'm, like, I, like sometimes I have, like, this, like, brown wooden earring thing I hang off my, my earrings. Mm. I'm not going to wear that to the funeral. But yeah. it doesn't mean I'm going to take off all my earrings. It doesn't mean I'm going to rub off tattoos. It doesn't mean I'm going to take off a nose piercing. It just yeah. means I won't, like, have the extra, extra stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, tone it down. Tone it down. Just tone it down a bit. Yeah. yeah, don't put on my skull ring. You know what I mean? There's there's, <laughs> there's just there's certain lines that, you know, are just not right for the occasion. Yeah, yeah. So, you yeah, that's why I say. Voodoo vibes. No, no one wants the voodoo guy. With, no. the, with the skull... And the earrings and the things. Everything's skull related. Skull shoes, skull t-shirt, hat, cap. You know. It's too much. That's too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Becoming one with debt. You know. Which is perfectly healthy. We probably don't do that enough in Western civilization. But Mm. yeah, just... Yeah, you should respect other people's... Well, that's it. Yeah, line. Yeah. Other people's barriers. Mm. Okay, I better turn this off before it turns itself off. Yeah, we, we off. reached the barrier of this one. See you, yeah. Graham.